Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have writer and comedian, Caitlin Durante. I first met Caitlin just a little over a year ago, uh, right after we had finished recording with Kyle Clark. Uh, at the time, Caitlin was kind of working with Kyle. Uh, she was hosting, helping host the, uh, the open mic over at, uh, at the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown. And uh, as well as, you know, kind of learning some of the other ropes uh, with basically becoming the program director there. Uh, we met Caitlin after the, after the episode, and Kyle told us she'd be great to have on the show for the last year. Uh, I've, I've been meaning to get her on, and since we were going over to Meltdown to record some episodes, decided now would be the time to uh, to finally get her on the show. And it was a lot of fun talking with her. She does, a, you know, just a lot of great stuff. We talked to her about some of the screenplays that she's working on right now. As I mentioned, you know, she's the program director for the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown, so we kind of talked to her about how she got involved with that, some of the amazing, you know, comics and stuff that she's had a chance to work with. I'm still still jealous. It's been a couple weeks since we recorded this, and I'm still jealous of her meeting Louis C.K. as he did a drop-in a few weeks ago on one of the shows over at Meltdown. And uh, yeah, so some of the other great things she's involved in. She also does the Luck with the Draw show over at Meltdown, uh, which is an amazing stand-up show. If you're if you're out in Los Angeles, make sure you get over and check that out. Uh, we talked to her a little bit about that, as well as the Bechdel cast. It's an awesome podcast that she does that focuses um, on how women are represented in film. Uh, which is a really great concept, and it's an awesome podcast that I would really suggest you listen to. We'll have all the links for those available uh, on onthemicpodcast.com, so you can click on those, follow them, kind of see more of the shows that they're doing, and make sure you check out her podcast. And like I said, if you're in Los Angeles, go head over to the Nerdist Showroom at Meltdown. It is honestly one of my absolute favorite comedy venues. People, you know, sometimes laugh at me when I say that, but you look at how many great things have come out of, of you know, Nerd Melt, and... You know, it truly shows the caliber of shows and comedy that, that they're putting on there. Of course, the meltdown with Jonah and Kumel was filmed there. Uh, that show was originally developed there years ago, and uh, Caitlin ended up even having, having a small credit on the show, and we talked to her a little bit about that as well. Uh, but yeah, I was really excited to have Caitlin on, so it was a really fun episode. Uh, this was our, uh, as you can see, our 99th episode, so this was leading up to the 100th episode. Uh, of course, we were supposed to be doing that live at Meltdown. Uh, you know, a few people have asked us about that. So unfortunately, ticket sales just didn't didn't do as well as we as we had hoped. Uh, we found out like the morning of that people were planning to come and buy tickets at the door. But hey, guess what? That kind of hurts, you know, projected numbers sometimes. And so we didn't want to risk it. We didn't want to put meltdown out anything there. Um, so we did end up canceling the show. But Caitlin was still awesome and helped us out. Let us still be able to record some shows while we were there. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So I hope you guys, you know, really, really, you know, enjoy everything that we talked with Caitlin about here. Make sure you're following her on all of those links as well. Uh, this coming week, we are headed back down to Los Angeles. Uh, actually, Anaheim is where, is where we're heading. Uh, going, going down for WonderCon. So we'll be down there covering everything. There's a lot of great panels that I'm really excited for. The Goldbergs are doing a panel down there. Uh, the uh, Adam F. Goldberg will be on. Um, Wendy, Wendy McClellan Lovey uh, will be on there. Um, as well as uh, Jeff Garland, and I believe Kevin Smith is moderating, uh, so I'm really, really excited for that. I know they're doing one with uh, a bunch of showrunners. Uh, I know J uh, Jonah Ray will be on that, talking Mystery Science Theater and Hidden America. So yeah, there's a lot of great stuff going on there. I'm excited to go back to Disneyland as well, as I kind of mentioned during the last episode. It's been a while <laughs> since I've been to Disneyland, so I'm excited to go down and, and be able to spend, spend a day over at Disney while we cover WonderCon, but it'll be a great time. I'm excited to be going back. WonderCon is always so much fun, and you know, this, this time shouldn't be any different, so we're really excited to be heading back down. 
Again, hope you guys really enjoy this episode of Caitlin Durante. Go follow her on all the links available on the website. We'll also be tweeting those out as well. So if you're following me at Tim Drake or at On Mike Podcast, you can find all those links where you can follow uh, both myself and Caitlin. And, you know, of course, follow Christopher James, Austin Grant, and Jesse Knight, who are also on the episode. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun fun while we were down in Los Angeles. This was, you know, such a great episode to record with Caitlin. So hope you guys enjoy this episode with Caitlin Durante. Because that's that's the way we do it. <laughs> well, thank you for letting us uh, be able to record with you here. So I always love coming to a to meltdown this place. I, I feel like it's hallowed ground. So after yeah. <laughs> seeing shows here for so long, and then we met like a year ago, and uh, we had Kyle on. So and you were, right. were yeah. kind of getting ready to take take over the reins. I guess it's almost been a year and a half because that was like 2015 ish. Yeah, I started in October 2015. So. It must have been like right around then, or yeah. right before that. Yeah. Yeah, it had had to have been. Cause yeah, it was. It was right as you were starting. Whichever one of you guys is moving the microphone, that is really loud. No, stopped. Um, you, you, you guys both are just like, it's not me, and then it I stopped. Just, I was trying to rearrange the cord. I, my apologies. <laughs> so, but how, how have things been going since we since we last saw you? It was very brief, and then saw you during the the open mic. So, which I was planning on doing that night, and then Jesse and I got. Stuck in a torrential downpour coming back from Wendy's. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, things have been really good. Um, yeah, it's been about a year and a half since I started uh, my job as the program director nice, of nice. Nurse <laughs> Nice. Uh, I really love it. It's great. Um, I get to work from home a lot, which is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, nice. Yeah. During the day, I'm just answering emails uh, in my pajamas in my bed. <laughs> great how, how did how did you get involved with everything with with nerds it seems like it's kind of the the coveted job especially around yeah around it, the nerd i culture. don't know how i <laughs> landed this at um i had started as an intern um basically they were looking i had so uh i met for coffee with this guy who was like hey if you read my script i'll read yours like so we exchange <laughs> tv pilots and uh, he's like, by the way, I just finished up an, an internship at um, at NerdMill, and I think they're looking to hire someone if you want uh, me to pass their info, your info along. So um, uh, I got in that way. They hired. They needed like someone to cover their open mic shift, which was like Mondays at five o'clock. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything else because at the time I was like driving for Postmates and teaching paint night classes <laughs> uh, paint nights are great though yeah <laughs> so i like didn't have a lot going on and uh they hired me as an intern and then um a few months later hannah my predecessor was like uh, i'm thinking of leaving caitlin would you be interested in my job and i was like uh yeah i'm again not doing anything so uh yeah i um she trained me i took over and it's been a wild ride ever since. I bet. What, what, what has been the craziest thing so far with it? Uh, gosh. Um, well, I I now produce the Wednesday show that took over for The Meltdown with yeah, John and Camille. Yep. And uh, Louis C.K. dropped in to that oh, the wow. other oh, week. Shit. So that That's was awesome. like cool crazy. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. There hasn't been... I um, had to park 
uh, John Hamm's car the other day, which is like usually not part of my job, but he was here for Doug Loves Movies and he was parking someone in in our like back private parking lot. So he's like, here, take my keys, move it if you need to. And I was like, oh my God, I really hope that I don't have to because I would, I was worried that I would definitely ruin his car. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> but um, oh man, what a classy guy. He like had this like smooth, like 50s. I don't even know what genre of music, just like pure class uh, for coming out of his stereo. And then, you know, it's a very expensive Mercedes Benz that he drives. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> and I didn't, I managed to not uh, wreck his car. So that was great. <laughs> um, uh, you know, just weird things like that. Like, you know, b- bumping into, you know, famous people and uh, trying to be cool about it. So that, that I think would, just scare the hell out of me sometimes here it's like at sundance we we encounter it whenever every time we cover sundance but i feel like some of the some of the people that just like managed to pass through here just they would absolutely intimidate me like when we uh we ran into judd apatow this last time at at sundance and i mean i know he comes here to see pete mm-hmm. now and then but that was one where it was just kind of like hi hi judd like yeah. it, we did i didn't really know <laughs> hey, what to judd. what what to say at first it's just like a good luck with the big sick and uh <laughs> And then, like, we, we took a picture with him, and I felt so bad because I thought I'd cut Jesse out of the picture because Judd <laughs> took it real quick. And Jesse's like, no, I made it in, and I flipped my, back to my phone. And somehow there was, like, the perfect, like, triangle between mine and Judd's head, and Jesse just, like, sneaks right into the... <laughs> That's great. He <laughs> usually does that, though. Yeah, he, he finds his way to sneak in whether whether he needs to or not. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about pictures, right? Yes, yes. We're still talking about pictures. <laughs> so now, did you grow up out in in L.A.? Or? No, not you, even close. Yeah, it's rare that people do. So yeah. <laughs> where, uh, where, where did you transplant from? <laughs> well, I transplanted from Boston, but I didn't grow up there either. I grew up in rural western Pennsylvania. Okay. So pretty much the exact opposite of any metropolis. <laughs> uh, it was... It was okay. I mean, I don't recommend it um, growing up there, but uh, yeah, I went uh, like there was, oh, no, I don't know. It was awful. I hated it. Uh, It was so like a lot of people were like just rednecks and there was, it was very white. It was very racist. Um, It was terrible. So uh, we're we're from Utah. We're familiar. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I unfortunately sounds like my neighborhood. I know that as well. So I went away to college to Penn State, and uh, again, which is like not necessarily a hub of like culture or anything like that. But then I moved to New York City, lived there for a year, then to Boston for four years, and then uh, I've been in LA for almost three years, two and a half years. So what, what what was it that initially kind of attracted you to Los Angeles? I mean, where you, you know, are do screenwriting, you, you're a comedian, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, managing stuff with, with Nerd Melt. So how, how did, I mean, was that all kind of part of the plan to do stand-up and screenwriting, or was it just kind well, of diving in to see what there was? I So when I was in Boston, I, I had already been doing stand-up for like a year, but I was, you know, bad at it at that point obviously so uh i just i I kept with it and then i decided to go to uh grad school at boston university to get a master's degree in screenwriting again i don't recommend it (laughs) it was (laughs) it was a great program and i really enjoyed it but the problem with that is that you don't need that credential to be a screenwriter 
Like, if you want to be a doctor, yeah, you got to go to med school. If you want to be a lawyer, you got to go to law school. If you want to be a screenwriter, you do not have to have a master's degree in screenwriting. Um, so I'm, like, waiting to see, oh, there's, like, noise that might mess up your <laughs> audio. Someone's but, digging a tunnel in here. <laughs> um, so I'm, like, waiting to see if that investment pays off because, you know, I paid, like, 80 grand in tuition. But um, – and I originally wasn't – planning to move to LA at all I was like I hate LA it sucks it's a gross place it's a vapid wasteland I'm not going there and everyone's like no, no it's, wow. it's pretty good it's fine I don't know what you're... so I just had this like like very distorted east coast mentality of like how awful LA was and I don't know why I let people trick me into thinking that because as soon as I got here I was like oh no it's pretty great I like it a lot yeah um, but I was very very reluctant to even consider moving here for um, a long time and then I was like all right, I went, I did, I got the degree. I have to move to Hollywood if I want to even pretend to, to try this. So I did, and uh, no regrets. That's that's good to hear. It's I, I I know that that same kind of feeling though when you you go through schooling for it all and then you realize that oh I didn't after after a couple of years of film school it's like I look back at it now and I'm like I didn't need to do that at all like teacher that <laughs> yeah. austin and i both had we realized that everything that he actually taught us in the classes he has a youtube channel for and i was just like i paid twelve hundred dollars for that one class yeah and it's right there on youtube for free and it's like my like everything i've done now with second city that's what's benefited my career and for their entire program it was cheaper than a semester it was just like that was a that was money well spent yeah <laughs> So now with screenwriting, I mean, what 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 have you kind of done to try to progress as a screenwriter at this point where you've taken that dive, you've made the big move. Mm-hmm. So what 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 do you see kind of coming next and what what are you, what are you working well, on? Well, <laughs> I've um really progressed by taking a huge break from it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just contemplating things in my brain and not writing anything down. Um no, I've been I have been working on a few different things um but i'm not nearly as active as a writer as i should be and want to be um but i'm i'm like in the middle of an outline for a time travel rom-com feature oh nice it sounds like that but it it's way too ambitious <laughs> right now and i need to like ease back into writing with something simpler like not such a complicated story because i don't know if you've ever tried to write time travel it's not very easy <laughs> so, i think about it all the time that oh I'm, yeah I'll, I'll fuck it up if i if i try it i know i will and it's <laughs> yeah it, like i said it's far too ambitious for me at least right now so um yeah i need to be i need to like kind of dive into another project uh i was also trying to get a pilot written about uh like people living in a college town who aren't college students um and you know that's also not going <laughs> I like anywhere <laughs> i like that idea a lot actually yeah it's just like a you know a, a friend sitcom type of thing friends hanging out being surrounded by people 10 years younger than them or more um but yeah i uh trying to work on that and um you know it's, it's you know i'll get there where, where do you draw a lot of your inspiration from as a writer um, you know what? I it's probably a bunch of different things. I've never necessarily like pinpointed exactly where. Oh, sorry. I told you we'd get interrupted in here. Um <laughs> It's bound to happen. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean 
well, they this uh, idea for the pilot, for example, uh, living in a college town and not being a college student was something that I did for a while after I graduated from Penn State. And I, after I lived in New York, I came back to uh, State College, Pennsylvania, very creative name for a town. And um, <laughs> I was living there and... I was not even, I was like 24, so I wasn't even that much older than any of the college students, but I just felt so much older and just, I was like, I'm so much more mature than you guys. And um, although the jobs that I had are the two most hilarious jobs uh, that I will ever have in my life. One of them, I was a delivery driver for Hooters. They have delivery. I, I didn't even know they had delivery. Well, yeah. I don't think they usually do. <laughs> Must need wings that bad. Yeah, it's yeah. So I was doing that. Don't worry, I have a lot. I like of that. Material. That's what we focused on there. Wait, they deliver? Yeah. <laughs> You've blown my mind. All the wings I could have had at home. Yeah. No, it's mind-boggling. Uh, I was doing that, and at the same time, I was the assistant to a talent scout who was scouting for men to be in masturbation videos for gay porn websites. Whoa, yeah. What? That's a long thing to put on a business card. I'm, yeah. hoping, <laughs> I'm still hoping to get discovered at a coffee shop. Well, <laughs> depending on which version of your IMDb they look at, That's true, you've yeah. already been discovered. True. <laughs> How does someone approach somebody like that? It's like, hey, I saw you turn your wrist a little bit. Uh, there's a job in it for you. Well, Potential there, kid. Part of my job was writing copy for all the Craigslist ads that we would post. Oh, wow. So it was mostly like out, like Craigslist outreach, you know. <laughs> that did, you, thing. did you have any particularly like weird uh, ads that kind of stuck out in the ones that you wrote? No, they were all, the ads that I wrote were all pretty uh, par for the course. You know, oh, we're looking for uh, hot, sexy men <laughs> with abs <laughs> to be in a cool video we like couldn't exactly say what it was a lot of the time but like they knew because they sent me a lot of dick pics so yeah that was an interesting part time in, in my life <laughs> there's your first script i know right yeah. <laughs> i i should yeah i i i would watch that the the script. Yeah, not okay. The, not yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, thank we you should, for specifying. We should clarify that. <laughs> so how, did that, how, did that how did you find that job? Oh, uh, believe it or not, I found that job on Craigslist. Oh shit! <laughs> Shyamalan. <laughs> it was posted in like the. I feel like there's like a, a, a public relations or an advertising section or something like that, or like just maybe basic communications uh, section. So I looked at it, and there, it was like, uh, I need an assistant. Um, I'm a, a PR person. He like totally masked what the job was uh, until the end of the interview. And then he's like, by the way, uh, there's something that I need to tell you about this job. And I was like, it's in porn, isn't it? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I figured that out. <laughs> yeah, you were very vague because uh, I was like asking him questions about like, oh, what type of like clients do you work with and stuff like that. And his answers were just so vague, and I was like, this is either porn or like human trafficking. So at least it wasn't a second <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, and then my mom asked me what it was, and and she's like, and she figured it out too because my answers to her were very vague. She's like, what's this new job you have? And I was like, well. It's um, and then she's like, "Is it porn related?" And I was like, "Yeah, but I'm not on screen." She's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 
It's okay if you work for porn by proxy, but yeah. as long as you're not on screen. <laughs> that, that had to have been an interesting conversation, though, you know, for over the holidays. So right. when families are over. So, Caitlin, how, 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 how was work? How's work? Uh, well, I'm getting a lot of dick pics. <laughs> uh, no, my mom's pretty cool. So she was fine with it. Yeah. Put that on your LinkedIn. Right? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's that's like one of the early credits on your writing resume now. You're like, here's my new pilot. And if you see the first thing I did, (laughs) I can handle anything. (laughs) That's just like fodder for like more unsolicited dick pics, though. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, well, you were okay with it once. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, you've had the hooters delivery you've 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 gone you've gone through the you've 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 gone you've gone through the masturbation videos i mean that it had to have kind of set you up really to start looking at at being a comedian and a writer i mean how how does how have those things oh i was already doing comedy you were already doing comedy yeah yeah yeah. so uh yeah and i was writing jokes about them at the time Um, (laughs) so don't worry But, uh, yeah, I've managed to um, do different things like that where I'm like, oh, if I hadn't already been doing comedy, I would definitely be like, yeah, I, I need to start. <laughs> How long had you been doing comedy at that point? Not long. Um, like a year. And, um, like, I took a class in New York, and then I, like, almost immediately moved because I hated my job and I uh, needed to quit and stuff. So I moved back to Pennsylvania. So I hadn't been doing it that long. And... Um, there weren't there's believe it or not not a huge comedy scene in central pennsylvania so uh but i did um manage to find this like student organization on penn state's campus that was like you know college kids interested in stand-up and like interested in doing stand-up so i heard about this and i was like hey i'm not a student anymore i graduated but I want to be in your club. And they're like, well, you are the only woman. So sure you can <laughs> do this. Uh, so I, they had like an open mic once a week. And then there were other open mics in the town, like it, for music, like you get like a half hour spot and like play acoustic guitar. Uh, and I was like, Hey, I'd go up to like the people who worked at the bar. I was like, uh, can I just like get five minutes to do, to like run a stand up set? And they're like, what, what, <laughs> what is that? What? Um, and they'd let me, so I'd like work on material that way. And then, and then I moved to Boston, uh, and there's a much bigger c- comedy scene yeah, there comedy than scene central there. Pennsylvania. So I like really started to like immerse myself into comedy at, at that point. So who were you listening to comedy-wise that was kind of influencing your writing and, and your style at the time? Honestly, I, like, didn't grow up with stand-up is, like, something that I really listened to or paid much attention to. Uh, especially, I thought, like, stand-up was all hack stuff. I was like, okay. like <laughs> oh, airplane food and, oh, the difference between men and women. Uh, and I was like that's dumb i don't that sounds stupid <laughs> and i didn't realize that there was like a whole alt comedy thing going on at the time um so i wasn't really listening all the comedy that i consumed was either comedy films or uh tv i watched a lot of whose line is it anyway i watched a lot of saturday night live and mad tv so like sketch and improv stuff um and then just like you know my favorite shows when i was a kid were um usually comedy stuff and then most of my favorite movies were you know groundhog day and other 
nice. comedies. Yeah. So um, that was mostly the comedy I was consuming. Um, it hasn't. It wasn't until like I was a few years into stand up where I was like, oh, I should probably see what other people are doing who are good at this and who are famous for being good at this. So that's when I like started to listen to like albums and watch specials and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. So uh, bottom line, I'm a bad comedy fan <laughs> or or i was but, but, but it's of course blossom now yeah, yeah yeah so i mean you you get to see some of the top tier comedy here I and mean, that's I, i'm so jealous of, of people oh, yeah, get to too. come to shows here regularly so we always try to squeeze in at least one or two shows when we're here because meltdown it just it's it's just like a hidden gem it's like people know it's here of course because of the different podcasts that are mm-hmm. recorded here but it's like every time we come in it's like you never know who's going to to pop in and like uh, one of them that I'll never forget, we came for uh, uh, for Emily Gordon's book release. Oh yeah, yeah. Last year, and that show just blew our minds because she'd never said who was going to be on it. Oh, and we that's were right. like, we know that Kamel will be there. And I'm like, I don't know if he'll do anything though because it's his wife's show. And but then I mean to have Sarah Silverman popping in and Kurt Brownoller and uh, I think Kate Berlant was on the show, and it was just like. It was just such an incredible show. And it's just like Meltdown is like the only place that has that just good intimate. Because, I mean, you can get that at the comedy store, but mm-hmm. you're going to pay 20 bucks and have, have to order some minimum. shitty food. Yeah. And, and you might sit all the way in the back of the room for that. And it's like there's, what, 180 seats or so, 200 seats in this room. and Not even. Not even. Uh, 120 seats. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it's just it's such an amazing environment to be able to see comedy. And you get the cricket. Yeah, you get you get the meltdown cricket, so it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's an amazing environment that you get to that you get to now experience comedy mm-hmm. as yeah as, as you came. In fact, from I'd a... say I experienced too much. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing though. It is yeah. a good thing. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't complain about my job. <laughs> it's fine. All this comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, comedy. I... Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's great. I really, I really like it here. I, I, I feel very um, honored to be in this community. <laughs> so, so you do like living in LA now, even though. We're yeah. Here. Well, it, it's not even though I, I didn't never, I, I did not ever not like it. I don't know how to string words together. But yeah, just the, mm-hmm. I thought that it would be terrible because everyone else in Boston was like. No, LA sucks. It's gross and horrible. Boston's the only cool place. And then I came here. I was like, oh, Boston sucks. <laughs> no, it's fine. I really like Boston. But um, yeah, I just, I, I'm mad at myself for letting um, other people influence an opinion that like I had no, like I shouldn't have let them influence me because, you know, I didn't know anything about it. So that's how racism happens. And I, I, I'm, mad, I'm mad at myself for being susceptible to that kind of thinking. No, that's, I mean, where, where we've all grown up in, in Utah. I mean, we're, we're used to hearing that forever about, especially about LA. Like when, when I had moved here a little while ago, people were just like, Oh, well, you know, enjoy the people out there. And I was just like, I will. I, I will. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're my people. You guys are the assholes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I can definitely relate to that. Even even now, as, as I'm getting ready to move back later later this year, so I, I still have the people that are just like, oh, enjoy enjoy the the dirty city, and I'm just like, mm, it's just as dirty here. Mm-hmm. We're, we're some of the worst <laughs> air quality in the world in Salt Lake City. So. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like Utah's a lot dirtier than LA. Yeah, I mean, there's not poop on the sidewalk that I've ever seen in Salt Lake. Oh, but, I have uh, horse shit. Like, there's constant horse shit every now and then. Well, that's horse shit, not not people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course, I don't I don't test the types. I just know it's shit. I just know <laughs> to stay away from it. Of course, it's not New York City. 
Because I I just took my wife to New York for the first time. She'd never been. And we walk out of our hotel. And she just looks and she's like, that looks like poop. And I was like, that is poop. It's Mm -hmm. not, it doesn't just look like it. It is. Yeah. (laughs) So, but yeah, I mean, Los Angeles is a whole, whole nother beast that's just wonderful. So we wouldn't keep coming back if it it wasn't. Oh, yeah. So now your your podcast, uh, and I'm I may butcher the name here. Is it the Bechtel cast? Is that how you... Bechtel. Bechtel. Yeah. So how how did that come about? It's it's women in film. Mm-hmm. So how how did how did you kind of come up with the concept and start building that? Um, I knew I wanted to start a podcast because I was like, I'm a comedian. I gotta get my name out there. I gotta have a platform so people can hear my dumb opinions. You know, as most comedians do. Yeah, we're yeah, all guilty people. of that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um. I love movies. I love movies more than I love comedy, uh, maybe. So um, I wanted to do a movie podcast, and I was just thinking of things I could do um, that haven't already been done before. And I'm also a militant feminist, so I was like, oh, I should do it. Uh, I should do a podcast about the representation and portrayal of women in movies, because a lot of, especially like mainstream Hollywood movies, do not portray women well at all. No. So. yeah, I uh, I was like, this would be, I'll just do a different movie every episode. We discuss it's the representation of its, the women in the movie. We'll call it the Bechtel cast, which is uh, inspired by the Bechtel test. If you guys, if listeners at home aren't familiar, um, it's a test that is usually applied to movies or books or TV or anything with a story. Something will pass the Bechtel test if it features two or more women speaking to each other about something other than a man and preferably those women characters have names oh nice oh, wow. yeah okay. so uh so that's the Bechtel test a lot of movies unsurprisingly do not pass um it's basically just a yardstick to see like because like very few movies feature a woman protagonist if there is a woman in a movie, she's usually like the only one or one of two. Oftentimes they don't have scenes together. So it's basically just a yard or just a, a, a test to, to say, like to have us examine like, Oh, Hey, look, women are hardly on screen ever. <laughs> and if they are, they're usually like hot and naked. And oh, the like, news <laughs> <report>. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, cause so many stories are, like uh, it's you know male writers male directors um telling stories about men women are just you know there is you know on in, usually not things that are influencing the story or anything like that um sorry this has gotten very unfunny but no i love it <laughs> no no I, i'm intrigued to hear that that viewpoint though because yeah. it's, it's something that it is a you know very male dominated mm-hmm. um industry in a lot of ways and I, I love that the talk continues to come up more and more and more about, you know, w- women in film. And mm-hmm. I mean, we, I mean, even this year I saw people bringing up, you know, another year of no women directors that, that were nominated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we even found ourselves saying, okay, who made films this year? Like we were trying to figure out, you know, who there should have been. And we we're like, well, damn it. Catherine Bigelow's wasn't, wasn't up this year. Cause I love all of her work, but what, what can we do? Do you, do you feel as kind of, a film watching community to be able to help bring those to light more. I so mean, that they can be if there is a, a movie that features a predominantly women cast, uh, or of a, a, a protagonist who's a woman go and see those movies at the theater yeah. and drive up the box office numbers so that, cause I think a lot of like, 
producers or studio executives and stuff like that think, oh, well, no one's going to want to see a female reboot of blah, 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 or no, people don't want to watch that. Why, why does this character need to be a woman kind of thing? So if uh, we can show uh, those people who are making the movie making decisions that audiences want to see movies by and about women, then I think it'll that'll help a lot, I hope. I think people are seeing that a lot right now with hidden figures. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. crushed. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, almost all female cast. You know, a couple of the, it's like almost switched. The love interests are the male guys in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And yeah. the movie's incredible. It's up for best picture, you know? Well, I know there was a big argument when, like, they rebooted, like, Ghostbusters. Everyone's like, I don't want to see it all female. Right. Oh, ru- this ruined my childhood. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. I, I know. love that movie so yeah. much. They did an excellent job. Yeah, I, I, every time people try to argue that with me, I was like, it is for the funniest women in comedy. How are you possibly saying this is going to ruin yeah. your childhood? So many people made up their mind before they saw it. Yeah. yeah. It's, like mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, nice. though, because yeah. it, it turned out, like I said, it turned out to be a great movie. It was hilarious. All their jokes landed. Like, even, like, it was it was a reboot. They, they followed a lot of the plot, but they ended up, you know, adding a lot of their own elements to it, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was overall fantastic, and yeah, it, it's I, I know when I was in film school there was a there was a club that they were even starting then of women in film because even as long as the film school I went to had been around there was never that representation, and I love that we are seeing more of that. Even uh, we, we had Brooke Tranter on earlier today, and I mean she she's been big behind pushing a lot of women in film, so and. And, you know, she was just in uh, The Last Word that uh, I think it's premiering tomorrow night at Arclight. Yeah, I think so, that's what she said. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a very uh, women-dominated movie with Shirley MacLaine, Amanda Siegfried. So I, I love seeing that we do have more coming out. But, yeah, yeah, being able to get the big studios behind that to give it that push, it seems to be, like, such a hurdle to, to cross. Yeah. And, I mean, especially when it comes to writing, like, a strong female character. As, as a writer, what do you feel a lot of screenwriters are missing missing the ship on when it comes to being able to write a powerful character well i mean most screenwriters who have jobs in hollywood are still men so they either don't really care about portraying women in a a flattering way or they're just not thinking about it they're like well i'm a man so the story's about a man and if there's a woman she's probably a love interest or she's a horrible shrew or something so um I think a lot of them just uh, don't care um, or they're just not concerned about this issue. Um, I've heard an idea from a a friend of mine who's a a female. um, She works in film. She does pretty much everything across the board. And I was talking to her about this once, and she said, um, I can't remember where she heard it or if this was just her own idea, of writing the part as if, it were a man, but it's the woman. <laughs> you know, it's like even that simple. Not yeah. like in the way of people aren't writing female characters complex. They're just like thinking on that super basic level of the love interest or whatever. And it's it's just seems so idiotic to not be like, that's a human, not just like some woman. Right, yeah. You know, I, it can be as simple as that. I think, well, I don't want to like pigeonhole all men to be like, oh, they all hate women and they don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's obviously not true. But I think, um, I imagine a lot of men, like as a as a woman, I don't know if I would feel super comfortable like having a, a man as my protagonist because I'm like, I'm not a man. I don't know what your experience is like, really. Um, so I think maybe a lot of men who are writers 
are not writing women characters into their movies because they're afraid oh I don't, I don't know what your experience is like I don't know how to write you so they either depict them in a very like one-dimensional way they're like oh this she's just this person and I don't have to think that much about it um or yeah so it's I think it's just like a, a concern they're like I, I, just, I don't want to mess this up so I'm just not going to do it at all yeah um so what uh, <laughs> the way we can uh help with this problem is to hire more women to write movies who are writing <laughs> movies about women uh so you know hire me hollywood <laughs> <laughs> but after seeing hidden figures even my, my wife had talked to me about it she's been reading a book of the 52 most influential women in science mm-hmm. so and and she had mentioned that one of the women from hidden figures was, was mentioned and then she's like but where where were all of these other women in history, all throughout like her time in school, she's like they were never mentioned. She's like, I, I learned about the goddamn peanut over and over and over again with George Washington Carver, but oh yeah, where were all of these women? Yeah, it's and, not just film; it's pretty much yeah. every like yeah. history, science, everything. Women are just very largely ignored. Yeah, and like uh, Janelle Monae had mentioned during the Oscars uh, on the red carpet, how you know I didn't learn about this in history. Yeah. So like this wasn't the representation of the space race, and we we had kind of had to talk the the same morning. Like, yeah, this wasn't what what we were ever told. And yeah, it's it's we very about, disappointing. <laughs> we learn about white guys signing treaties and you know yeah. firing yeah. guns in the Revolutionary War. Kicking yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how we, that's how we had described it earlier. It's the rah rah American kicks ass yeah. uh, mentality, yeah. and that's that's just what we're taught. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like learning nationalism. i'm curious because since you have like a women in film centric podcast do you have any like personal favorites of films uh that you know highlight uh women in film you know quite yeah um oh one of the reasons i started this podcast was to reconcile my uh favorite movies which are largely male dominated uh with my like feminist viewpoint because like my favorite some of my favorite movies are Back to the Future, yeah. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Star Wars, uh, Terminator 2, things like that. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, man, like women are like not represented very well in these movies. <sighs> what do I do about it? So then I started the podcast. But um, there are quite a few that I love. Um, Thelma and Louise is one of them. I love yes. Thelma and Louise. And a lot of people, a lot of men I've found are very unfamiliar with this movie. They've never really? seen it. Yeah. Um, I've had to like even film buff friends of mine, guy friends of mine. I've had to be like, uh, if it's my birthday coming up, if you do not watch this for my birthday, like this is, this is your birthday (laughs) gift to me. Watch Thelma and Louise. Uh, and they do it and they loved it. But, um, find that surprising because it's such a cool classic. Yeah. Yeah. We, we not even kidding. As we were driving down here there, Austin and I are reworking a web series that we had done a couple of years ago. And we were pitching out some other ideas, and I actually said to him, one of the ends of the movie needs to be a Thelma and Louise moment. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like the Wayne's World, like, Thelma and Louise yeah. ending. Yeah. Which I had seen Wayne's World 2 before I saw Thelma and Louise, so oh, I, like, okay. didn't really get the reference when I was watching Wayne's World. But, uh, yeah, I, um, in fact, I hadn't seen a lot of the movies that Wayne's World 2 oh, makes parody. fun of. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> when I watched it. But uh, now I get it. Yeah. God, that makes me want to watch like Thelma and Louise because it's been so long since I've seen it. It's movie. such a well-crafted movie. It's such oh, a yeah. perfect example of like heightening 
like every scene is like oh fuck now this is oh no yeah. what do we do this happened and it just the stakes keep getting higher and higher the tension yeah. keeps getting higher and higher it's amazing it's also like the test of a true friendship and you know you, mm-hmm. you see how strong that is at the end yeah i'm a huge movie nerd too so i, I totally yeah, chris yeah. actually <laughs> runs a runs a, another another podcast it's yeah. called in movie nerds we trust oh <laughs> yeah i have uh, me and uh, my female co-host because uh, i like to have the female perspective of the films what we talk about as well yeah. so it helps yeah it really does. Yeah. <laughs> so i mean now with even the the female-centric um focus in film it's it's something that too i've noticed has been growing continually in comedy what do you think has kind of helped at least with comedy give more of an upswing to to female comics um i think it's just more you know, cultural awareness and a need for diversity in the arts and every aspect of life. Because <laughs> uh, it helps if there is a comedy show and there are seven people booked on it. If all seven of those people are straight white dudes, it doesn't make for a very interesting show because you're sure. bound to hear a similar or the same perspective on or a different like the same take on something maybe seven different times um multiple repetitive right exactly (laughs) so it benefits everyone including those straight white men if there are fewer of them on a show uh if there's a woman of color if there's a trans person if there's a gay person uh if there's you know a woman just a straight white lady which i am please put me on your show anyway (laughs) um (laughs) so you know different perspectives just make for a more interesting show for the audience it just helps round out lineups it makes uh, it's beneficial like i said for the the comedians because chances are you're not you're, if you're on the same show with someone, you don't have to worry about, oh, no, this guy just did my bit. I have to think of something else now. So, um, yeah, I think, I mean, that's part of it, at least for just, like, live comedy. Um, I've gotten so, f- I've talked for so long now, I don't remember what the original question was. <laughs> <laughs> just what you think is given the the upheave to women comics, because I feel like even five years ago, you weren't hearing a ton of women comics. Like, mm-hmm. You'd hear Sarah Silverman's voice pop up here and there and maybe Janine Garofalo, but I felt like it was very stifled where now I feel like I'm, I'm seeing more and more and more just phenomenal women comics, you know, with Amy Schumer, Nikki Glaser, Rachel Feinstein, uh, Maria Bamford is, is mm-hmm. out there more, Cameron Esposito, Rhea Butcher. I mean, the, the list just goes on and on and on of just so many fantastic comics and it, it's great to see it finally oh, yeah. growing yeah. i think women are just we're just fighting harder and we're finally after years and years of fighting finally getting our voices heard and it's unfair that we had to fight so much harder than men but um yeah it, uh it, i think it's just a long hard uphill battle that we're like we're just now seeing the results of and just this is i think just the beginning of those results i mean hopefully we've got you know more work to do because most if you look at any lineup for a show most of the comics are still probably guys so the numbers still aren't even but um yeah it's just i and that plus you know this sort of third wave of feminism is is on the rise and people are finally starting to listen and be like oh oh uh male privilege yeah yeah i can see how that that's a thing i have okay uh yeah let's let's let me try to help you out young lady or old lady or any lady so yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think I mean even even from a government level, people are thinking, realizing too, like, oh wait, it's all old white men getting to tell women what they get to do. Mm-hmm. Doesn't oh, yeah. really doesn't really add up there. Like I said, every aspect of life, all yeah. of it, is just where <sighs> it's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like we, we had Brandy Posey on uh, on the podcast a few months back, and she had told us we we were asking people where to uh, where they could listen to her album. And she had mentioned was it was it Pandora, Chris? Pandora, it was Spotify, Spotify, and Pandora. And she had mentioned on one of them that people have actually made a list where they could just vote down women comics, and we were oh. just we were so appalled to yeah. even hear that. And immediately we were just like, whoever is doing that, like, go fuck yourself, because that is we couldn't believe that that was actually a thing. Shit, it was actually just strictly Pandora. It was strictly yeah. Pandora. Yeah. Oh man, that's but, awful. Yeah, it, it was it was absolutely, and I just don't I don't get that way of thinking. And I think wasn't it John Belushi that in the seventies had said that he didn't think that there were funny women comics, and I was like, how are you seriously working with Gilda Radner and Lorraine Newman? I know, right? And and have that way. So I mean, it's it's crazy to think, and I I don't think I'd ever looked at it the way that you said it. Is it's been an uphill battle this entire time, and that's why we're, it's it's the payoff, and to think that you know it's been you know. I mean, women have been... 40, 40 have been years in, since SNL, at least. And right, they've yeah. been doing comedy longer than that, even. Yeah, I mean, women have been entertainers and comedians and stuff just as long as men. That We just haven't had the spotlight. And we, like yeah. I said, it's been just that uphill battle. And we're just... We're finally starting to see, like, just a sliver of the payoff of that. It's nice, because the, the benefit of having Brandy on is that after we, when we were talking, she gave us that, like, list of, like... 20 or 30 like female comedians like in the last year yeah that had all released albums yeah. yeah so i was like oh shit so there's like all of them were fantastic on there which i loved like it was i was like you know discovering like new comedians like oh i've never heard them and like now i'm a big fan of them yeah and they're and uh, even uh, at midnight so I, I noticed that chris had always seemed to be he tried to make sure that there was a, at least one woman comic mm-hmm. yeah. always represented and I have discovered so many new favorite comedians. Sarah Tiana has become one of my absolute favorites, and I love I love every time I get to see her live because she's always just so nice to talk with and stuff after. And yeah, she's just brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. Is she L.A. based? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's usually she's at the comedy store a lot. Gotcha. So and uh, yeah, she'll she pops up on at midnight here and there, but every time she comes out to Salt Lake, I've seen her at the comedy store a few times as well. But yeah, she is she's absolutely fantastic. I want to say she did an episode of the Meltdown. I can't completely remember if she did. It might have been very one of the possible. very early episodes. Mm. So, speaking of the of the Meltdown TV show, you even ended up getting uh, some some credits on that, didn't you? <laughs> I was the I forget what my title was. I want to say like showroom rep because I <laughs> basically it was for the third season. Um, I basically just had to be here on set uh, while the show was taping and stuff like that, and while they were doing all the prep. Uh, just to make sure they weren't like knocking down walls in the nerd mallet <laughs> showroom. Um, yeah, so I just kind of hung out and I said, "They're like, can we do this?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds fine." Or no, don't do, don't tear down this uh, bathroom door, or whatever. I mean, that didn't happen. But um, yeah, so uh, very impressive credit. I was very important. I did a lot of things, made important decisions. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was here for the all the the season three tapings. Uh, the super fun. Season. Yeah. <laughs> so what what was that experience like being able to work because work with some of them with Comedy Central and that is, I mean, you're 
That was what a a year into you kind of taking things over here. Not even it was. <laughs> so you just uh, kind of got thrown into it after. Yeah, still it was trying kind of like <laughs> maybe eight months. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it was so much fun. Um, I I had a few of my friends were on the show, so it was like really great to see people who I had like come up with in the Boston comedy scene, like make their tv debut that's awesome stuff um yeah so uh i loved it it was great and it was cool to just like see the room sort of transform the the week before the tapings i had to be there with dave clock who was painting the mural uh for the background and um, he's the one who does all of our yeah he does all the posters for the meltdown show or did rather um yeah so we just like hung out and played music and painted and i just was sitting there watching them do wonderful art um so yeah it was uh it was super so yeah it was it, i was sad as i walked up today and i could see the the doors into the showroom were now painted black and i i, I could faintly see where the yeah. where the logo was it's just like oh yeah they were supposed to like sand that off and repaint it but they just like painted over it <laughs> and painted in match which is fine it's a nice remnant of the show yeah so it'll it'll just break my heart every time i walk into it but <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep <laughs> So now you you do a comedy show here as well monthly, correct? Mm-hmm. So oh, luck yeah. of the draw. Yeah. So tell me tell me a little bit about luck of the draw. It's, it's one of the few shows I have never been in town for, and I'm determined that one of these times I'm going to be. Are able you to gonna see be here this Friday? No, we leave oh, tomorrow man. morning because <laughs> it's this Friday. Uh, it's a show. It's a stand up show, but the twist is that comics have to incorporate a challenge into their set that is drawn from a hat. So oh, nice. my co-host and I, uh, Matt Donaher, uh, we write these different challenges. We throw them in a hat. And then before their set, we um, pull one out of the hat. And it, so they might have to like wear a costume on stage while they're doing their set, or they might have to only, they can only refer to themselves in the third person or they uh, might have that to... That would be so hard to yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of the harder ones. Um, they might have to, like, try to solve a Rubik's Cube while doing their jokes. Oh, Stuff like that. Like, I don't know why anyone agrees to do this show because... Uh... <laughs> Still sounds like a lot of fun, though, kind of yeah. testing your, like, skills as a person. One of the comic. funniest ones I've seen recently was Kyle Kinane. We have a slip that's uh, it's called, like, Joke Book, and we give them, like, a crappy, like, children's <laughs> joke book, and they have to, like, for at least part of their set read jokes from this joke book so he would like he had his own joke book so he'd like read or he'd like tell a joke from his joke book and then read the punchline from a stupid punchline in the in the children's joke book <laughs> and it doesn't sound like it would be funny but it was the most funny thing i've seen in I a can, very long i can time. imagine how funny it would be but plus with kyle's voice right that just makes it that much funnier too yeah <laughs> it was amazing i could have watched him i could have seen him do that for hours it was amazing how, how did you come up with the idea for the show um, I just, I knew that uh, this, and I pitched this before I was the program director, um, so it's not as though I just gave myself a show, uh, <laughs> although I could if I wanted to. No. Um, so before I had taken over, I pitched it to Hannah, and um, I I just, I knew that the shows here usually have some sort of hook or theme or something like that, so I was like, okay, what can we do? Um, uh, what can I do that would be a good theme for this? And it, it kind of started because... I was just like thinking of all the different types of uh, comedians that I've seen. And I know like some comics have a puppet on stage. So I was like, what if there was a thing where they, I have to give them I a puppet. I think I and they saw him that. at the corner of Hollywood and Highlander. There today. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, 
So I was like, oh, what if we give him a puppet? And they have to, like, a comic has to have a puppet in their set. And what if uh, they have to wear a, a costume? Some of them, like, do a character and they wear this. So I, was, I just, like, started to think of all the different types of acts I've seen um, in comedy shows. And I was like, what if we put them all in one show? So that's kind of how I came up the, with the idea. Again, it's stupid. It's a very stupid I, I show. I like it. It's I fun, love it. but it's dumb. <laughs> but so I love it. How long have you guys been doing that show now? Uh, we celebrated our year anniversary um, in October. So it's been about a year and a half. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I think the first I'd actually heard about it was a tweet that I saw Matt post because I'd been following him for a while. I think since his Conan appearance, possibly. Oh, yeah. So, because he's just absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you you guys definitely make it make a good team. Based off of your tweet, since I've not seen the show, but <laughs> based off of the way I see that you guys tweet, you guys have a very a very similar comedy styling that just is hilarious. So yeah. It, it, all, it always makes my day when I'm just scrolling through Twitter and I, I come across one of your guys' jokes and it's just... Oh, thank you. It, they are very, very funny, so... Yay, yeah. Follow me on Twitter, guys. <laughs> Matt is great because he's one of the few people who is still... Who's doing, like, strictly one-liners. I feel like people have kind of moved away from that type of stand-up. Um, but he's still doing it, and he's still doing it so well. He's just a... He's such a great joke writer, and he does amazing one-liners. So, follow Matt Donher, too. Yeah, then... Comics that do one-liners just blow my mind. Every time I listen to an album, one of, one of the most impressive I think is Dan Mintz mm-hmm. that does uh, the voice of Tina on Bob's Burgers. Oh so, yeah, yeah. For, for one, I can't listen to his album anymore after watching Bob's Burgers because all I can picture is Tina <laughs> saying the jokes, and some of those jokes are so filthy that I'm just like, that shouldn't be coming out of Tina's mouth. <laughs> she just simply likes butts and to dance. That's. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, his one-liners are, are absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah. So now as we kind of wrap things up, you know, with everything we've talked about with, with women in film, so, you know, different comedians, who, what, what are some suggestions you would tell people to, to check out that kind of embodies everything that we've talked about? Oh, like movies, comedians, movies, everything, comedians. all of it. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, like lady comics who are great, I would check out Beth Stelling. Oh, I love her. I would check out Sam Jay. I would check out... Um, Hopefully you can edit out this very long pause as I think of other people. Jesse, sing for us. (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys harmonize on that for a second? (laughs) (laughs) Sounded like it. Well, you've already said a lot of the people that I would uh, recommend. Um, Hang on, I'm going to pull up. I'm just, it's not that I like don't know who these people are. It's just that I'm horrible at remembering names. Um, Other. Awesome, that is the best. (laughs) He's, He's waiting for me to just join in with them on this because usually we are like synced well, you guys up were talking because I didn't want to like be too overbearing. It's like a nice little underscore. You could like have a great job just humming elevator music instead of them playing music. <laughs> Austin just stands in the corner of any elevator. <laughs> People walk into it just, hello, I will be your elevator music for this ride. <laughs> See, I knew you were, I fucking knew you were going to join in on that. You even mentioned that you were going to resist. Um, all right, if the, if the people who have not already been named on this episode, um, I'd recommend uh, Lori Kilmartin, um, Jackie Cation. Love Jackie Cation. Marcella Arguello. Arguello. I don't ever say her name correctly. Um, we talked about, oh, Deborah D. Giovanni is amazing. Uh, F- Fortune, 
Fortune Feemster. Yeah, love Fortune. She's great. Um, Caitlin Gill. If anybody's Emily not Heller. following uh, Fortune Feemster on Facebook or Twitter, they have to just for her ice cream dance all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I could go through a big list, but I th- those will tide you over for now. Yeah, and many of those names I'm familiar Almost with, and it. they are incredible. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then as far as movies, uh, again, it's um, I'm a big, like, you know, I love a good block like a great action blockbuster give me some jurassic park you know things like that um a lot of those do not feature uh, a lot of female characters but um like i said thelma and louise is great one of my favorite movies is josie and the pussycats nice <laughs> i still own the soundtrack to that it's great um but yeah my recommendation is to just go see movies that feature that uh have a, a woman writer and or director and or protagonist um, just to support um, those movies. Excellent. Yeah. So, well, again, thank you for letting us come here and, and talk with you. Like I said, I've, I've been meaning to just, you know, try to schedule something with you for almost a year. I've had your business card <laughs> just sitting there. Yeah. So right, right well, on my computer at home. So I'm glad we were finally able to, to set it up. I've had a great time. So and where can everybody find you on uh, on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at Caitlin Durante and uh, you can go to my website, CaitlinDurante.com. And that's it. <laughs> Excellent, and and I look I look forward to seeing some of these uh, these screenplays uh, eventually. They're coming. Eventually come as soon as I get this time travel story figured out. It'll be on screen on the on the big screen. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you. Yeah.